Welcome to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast, where we're joined by your hosts, Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. In each episode, we'll be sharing valuable insights and tips to help you turn your NDIS business into a profitable venture. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, you've come to the right place. Let's stop surviving and start thriving. Hello and welcome back to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast with your hosts, Paul and Tanya. This is episode five and today we are speaking about compliance in the everyday. Compliance, compliance, that's maybe a scary word for some people, Um, but I know this is absolutely your wheelhouse, so I am really keen to interview you here and and have a chat around what compliance really means, how you make it part of your everyday in business so that it's not a big, scary monster at the end, <laughs> at the end of 18 months, right? Um, your services are, are really around, you know, taking people um, who, who have a provider business and making compliance and auditing simple. Yes. Part of their business. Yes. So I say that Tanya Gomez Consulting makes compliance easy and, awesome. and I would go as far as saying sometimes fun um, and it's quality and compliance. So for me, compliance is what you need to do as baseline to meet government requirements. That's compliance. So having staff files up to date is compliance. For me, I like to go one step above that and talk about quality. And that is not doing things just for audit sakes, but doing things that are going to enhance your business and have a quality business. And that's, you know, providing quality care as part of that, but having a robust system that underpins your business, that is the concrete that you can build and scale a a thriving business upon. Yeah, I think that compliance is really, um, you know, key to, you know, obviously before we spoke about, you know, creating clients and that sort of thing. Compliance is what makes it all work because there is, you know, so much um, necessity to be, you know, very accountable in the NDIS. And, you know, as obviously these reforms are coming through, it's going to probably be more of a, more of an issue. Yeah, it's the checks and balances that are required, right? We're we're working with some of the most vulnerable people in Australia. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a level of transparency and there needs to be a level of regulation to make sure that the participants who are why we're all here are provided a good level of support. So for me, compliance is baseline what you need to do, but I don't want to work with people who want to do the bare minimum. I work with people who want to build quality businesses, sustainable long-term businesses. And even if there wasn't an audit cycle, I believe that quality would be needed to make sure that you have the processes and systems in place to scale your business, um, to have profit um, there as part of your business because processes help you avoid waste they drive productivity and being the profitable NDIS provider podcast, it also helps you save money because it makes sure that you're reducing as much human error as you can, that you have processes that are repeatable and a system in place so that everyone who has a role in your business knows how to do their job, when to do your job, and we have systems in place to check they're doing their job. And that's not just around making sure participants are serviced, but making sure that that every single person is earning their dollars in your business. There's no point having an administration officer who's supposed to do intake documents and not checking on them and not having metrics around 
what their role is. It's really easy to blow your profits completely out if you're not sure on what everyone's role is and how they play a part in your business. And in businesses that I've run in the regulated space, this is important. But in my business now, in Strawberry Solutions, my e-learning business, we we aren't regulated. We don't have audits, but I can tell you that we have a system and a process in place for everything because if one of our projects blow out by 10%, then our profit margin is hit by yes. 10% and it means that we can't invest that business, that money into growing more business or it means that me as a business owner doesn't get payment for all of the effort that I put in. So I think that compliance needs to be done a little bit every day um, and it is about the quality of your business as opposed to let's get things ready for the auditor. I think we have it wrong at the moment. We're only focusing on audit audit and getting past the auditor as opposed to having a strong business that the auditor can't pull apart. Yeah. I love that that mindset shift, you know, going from being, okay, I've got to get ready for audit yes. as opposed to compliance is part of my business. We yes. are ready for audit. Yes. Right? My business is a quality business. I'm a quality provider. Yeah. Yes. Um, in, in the education space, the regulator ASQA has a triangle and talks about providers being in this triangle um, with the baseline people doing the bare minimum and going up to the top with the people that are doing as much as they can to provide high quality service and have a high quality business. And I urge everyone to move past the baseline and move up the triangle and try and be one of the best. Yeah. Try to do everything you can to be the best provider um, and that is a marketing and sell, a sales point in its own that you have yeah. these checks and balances, but it allows scaling to be so much easier and less painful and allows you to realize your dream of helping a lot of people. From a business coaching standpoint, I just look at those things that you've mentioned, you know, streamlining systems, avoiding yes. waste, driving productivity, but all of this at the benefit of the participant. Yes. Right. And if we, we've obviously talked about being profitable um, but being a profitable provider really comes down to making sure that everything is running smoothly, how it should, because you haven't got waste. People, you know, if people are coming to your business and your your client, you know, lifetime value is long because they stay with you because they're happy and they want to get more services and your staff stay because things happen that are meant to happen, they're looked after. All of this comes down to, you know, how you operate on the day-to-day in those really simple systems. I'd love to know, like, how do you start to put good practice in place? What what tasks do you do when? So for me, I start with knowing when your next audit is because registered providers are in an audit cycle with an audit every 18 months and a three-year registration cycle. And so if you are a registered provider, we start there. If you're an unregistered provider, we don't have those timelines. So then we just start with an annual plan. So either way, if we know your audit's in 18 months, we work backwards. If you don't have an audit, we can just also start backwards in this 12 months. And we start with an annual plan and we break that annual plan into quarters and we break our quarters into months and our months into weeks. I love it. And then it's it's quite simple. If we if we look at a high level, 
we go, okay, every year we need to do an internal audit schedule. That's in the standards. We we should be doing participant surveys, uh, support plans, surveys of our participants and our staff, staff reviews every 12 months. That's a requirement. The standards also require a strategic plan and business continuity plan and emergency plan and insurances each year. So that's our must-dos. That's our compliance, not our quality, our compliance that needs to be done annually. And so you can break that up over the quarter and say, okay, quarter one, we're going to do an internal audit schedule. And I always start with the internal audit schedule. And we just break down all of the things that need to happen in a 12-month period. Then I usually take away January and December because no one wants to be doing anything in those months, which leaves us with 10 months. Planning. We, we take out school holidays because no one wants to be doing things in school holidays. And that leaves us with a period of time. And we have a look at, okay, at quarterly, we want to update our registers. And there's a lot of registers, complaints registers, incident registers, document control registers, version control registers. Um, I developed this into what I call a quality management system, which is a fancy word for a big spreadsheet with lots of tabs. And we update our registers each quarter to make sure they're done. We also do things like looking at our incident and complaint data each quarter to have a look for trends. So that's taking it above, let's just look at isolated once-off incidents. Now let's look at the trends of what's happening in my business. And as a business owner, I quarterly do a look at my P&L. I look at my staff's performance. I look at things like that as well, um, even in an unregulated business. And so as a regulated provider, you would do those things as well, having a look at how are your staff meeting their metrics? How is your business performing? In one of my services, we do a quarterly compliance scorecard. But as a business owner, I do a quarterly review with my leadership team on all of the important metrics. In a registered business, that includes things like your complaints and incidents, what policies need to be updated. We've got legislation changes coming out two or three times a year. Um, We've had uh, changes on the 1st of February come out around the high-intensity skills descriptors, and we've got a legislation change on the 1st of July coming around the respect at work stuff. So this year, you've got two policy changes so far that have happened. I would say you've probably got one or two more coming this year. And so if you're looking at that each quarter, it gives you time to implement those before your next audit, because we've planned this all around when your next audit is. Um, and then outside of that, you're looking at quarterly, looking at procedures updates. You then take one more step backwards and have a look at monthly. And so on a monthly basis, I suggest you have a look at a sample of participant files, a sample of staff files, and a sample of your quality management system to check that the processes are happening. And if we do this monthly, and then the monthly merge into our quarters and we're reporting on it quarterly and we're doing our annual tasks, there isn't any audit prep to do. Because when you come to audit, you know where your files are at, you know where where your business is at, and you've documented all of these things. that, That breakdown was massive. And I think that if you are currently listening to this podcast, you need to go back And listen to that again, because she's just given you a full breakdown of exactly how you need to look at this over the space of a year so that it's not, um, you know, a massive mammoth task, but all those bits and pieces along the way are really helping you uh, get everything in place so that when it comes to time of audit, everything is there and ready to go. Um, 
I might I might also put the, some show notes up so that, yeah, that people can people can have a look at the list that I said for annual, quarterly, and monthly. I'll copy that out so that people can have a look at that as well as a as a free resource from today's episode. Beautiful. Um, do you need like a full time resource to manage this? It sounds like a large amount of work. Look, it can be a large amount of work and it depends on the size and the scale of your operation, obviously. I have a lot of people when I get to midterm audit, which is generally around two years past when they've been re- they've been operating. And at that point, they've done nothing for two years and we get close to audit. And if I'm auditing them, they usually fail. Um, I've got four or five clients at the moment that I'm doing a service, which I call Quick Audit Fix. Um, and a Quick Audit Fix is a four-week intensive program that I run, usually around four weeks, where I fix all of their documents that they haven't done over the last 18 months. Um, and from doing that service, I can see why some people would think they need a full-time resource because at that point it's a lot. But if we break it down into size, tiny little things that you can do monthly and you could break that months into weeks and those weeks into days and we do a little bit consistently, it isn't a huge workload. You don't need to be paying a compliance manager $100,000 a year unless you have a sizable business. Um, one of the services that I offer is a, is a service where I do quarterly checks and I do an oversight program uh, where I uh, it's called Expert in Your Corner. We've just renamed our products. Um, it's called Expert in Your Corner. And so for a year outside of your audit cycle, each quarter I come in and do the checks and balances to make sure you're on 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 track. And if you have a compliance person, and generally the compliance person has 10 hats, so they do compliance and they also do intake and they also do administration and they do return to work and they do HR, um, that person generally likes working with someone like me to have someone to bounce their ideas off. So even if you have a compliance person, that person doesn't want to feel alone and might not have someone to talk to. So I have this service where I do offer it. It's a fraction of what it would cost to have a compliance manager. Um, So if you do think that it is a lot of work and you're not sure where to start, you can engage me or someone like me to help you figure out this year plan and break it down um, and make it manageable so you can do a little bit. If you didn't want to invest in that, and it's not a huge amount of money, I think it's worth the investment. But if if you didn't want to spend that, then at the bare minimum, what you should be doing is having an external person once a year do an internal audit. Do a full internal audit, find all of your gaps, look under the hood, you know, just like you take your car to get service, just like you go and have a doctor's checkup, your business needs a checkup, your compliance and quality needs a checkup to be that strong foundation. We don't want the concrete cracking. We want an external person coming in and certifying every 12 months where, you know, finding where the gaps are. And then you simply put a plan in place to address those before your next audit. If you've got an audit coming up, I say start six months out, but you can even start as close as four months out. Do an internal audit. I charge about $3,000 for an internal audit. It's not a huge amount of money for the peace of mind that it brings to know what your gaps are and then what do you work on between now and audit? It actually saves a lot of time and effort because once you know what the problem is, fixing it is much easier. Otherwise, you've got 24 standards. Let's call that 300 or no 500 quality indicators you're going to be audited against. Yes. You don't want to sit there for months and months prepping to every standard if you only have a problem in a few. Yeah. I, I 
I wonder if um, there's much of a difference when you're when you've been doing these audits with businesses between you know a provider with just a couple of staff versus a provider with like twenty staff, and obviously you know the the spread of participants that would be in that as well. Is there much of a difference between the two? Um, the standards are proportionate. So the standards have to be more complex for people that have higher needs participants, mm-hmm. more complex services, and also larger businesses. So every staff member and every participant you have adds complexity to your business. So yes, um, there is a difference, but there is that compliance base level of things that are required for everyone. So if you have one participant or you have 20 participants, there's not a lot of difference in your audit experience. Yes. If you go, if you are comparing a, a what they call provisional, a brand new provider with no clients, their audit is significantly easier than their midterm audit when they have even three participants. It's more complex because as soon as you take on a participant, the risk to that participant is high and therefore your business needs to, to meet the level of risk and manage the level of risk. Yeah. So also registration groups, every registration group you add adds complexity because even if you're not offering that service now, you're going to be approved to offer that service. So you need to have a business that can respond to the the risk that having that registration group adds to your business. So it is remarkably different for every complexity you add, the audit experience is proportionate to that and requires more. And every audit gets a little bit harder because you've been operating a little bit longer and should know a little bit more and should be doing a little bit better. I think the level of, you know, expected growth and expected development is so important. You just mentioned before about, you know, you're able to come in and, you know, sort of audit audit the business and, and find out where the problems were. But the most important thing you said was actually offering solutions and mm. helping develop a plan to make sure you don't stay with those problems because anyone can say there's a problem there. Yes. But having an expert come in and say, well, there's a problem there and here's the process that is going to help you not have that problem again. And that's the difference between when I've got my auditor hat on and when I've got my consultant hat on. And my husband's an auditor and not a consultant. He refuses to put the consultant hat on often. He likes telling people what's wrong and putting his crosses and X's in boxes like (laughs) most auditors. But the solutions is actually while I'm quite different, it is my unique selling point, I suppose, is that I'm very business and commercial minded. I'm a business person first and auditor second. And so for me, I can't help but tell you the solution because that's where I know I can add value. And so sure, doing an internal audit, anyone can do an internal audit and tell you where your problems are. But I love helping you figure out the solution. Um, and as an auditor, we're coded, which is assessed multiple times each year. And it's like a report card. And every time they say, Tanya, you need to stop consulting, you know, you need to you need to stop. And I, when I'm an auditor now, I really am. This is the problem. I can't consult. But I, I love nothing more than when I, I haven't audited that client because I couldn't do both. Um, but when I have a consulting client who has been audited, especially if it's from one of my colleagues, and I can help them unpick what does this actually mean and I feel that I am a bilingual person, even though I speak no other language. I'm bilingual in NGRS registration and NGRS compliance because the auditors speak in a different language than everybody else. <laughs> and a lot of my job is is translating, okay, they've said that you've got a major nonconformance in quality area 1.5 because of this. I say, okay, they didn't like your consent form. 
Yep. You know, I break it down, simplify it and explain it. And I love my consultant hat because it allows me to find those solutions. And in this, the clients that I work with, a lot of them have said the action plan that I do after the internal audit that tells them these are the actions that are needed and walking them through that process and guiding them through rectifying those issues. And when they have solved those issues, you know, when they've fixed the consent form and I can check it for them and make sure it's correct, having that back and forth around now will this comply, that is worth its weight in gold because you, what I'm really doing is taking away the fear of the unknown. They just don't know what the auditor's going to say. They don't yeah. know if it's good enough. They don't know how to explain to an auditor what they do. So I do that translation and say, no, your process is fine. We just need to document it differently or how you're explaining it isn't in the right language for the auditor to understand it. So let me auditify it and give it back to the auditor and you'll be okay. I think all our providers want to meet consultant tenure Uh, before they meet auditor (laughs) tenure. Yeah, it's funny. I have had a number of um, people who I've audited say to the auditing body, oh, look, Tanya's a really tough auditor. Um, But then after, you know, when I do my first file review, before they've spoken to me, I do a file review and they've said, oh, Tanya's really tough. She found 100 nonconformities or whatever it might be. But I do try to be really tough at my stage one audit so that I've given them an opportunity before stage two to rectify it. Because there's nothing worse than you know, being easy at a stage one and them expecting everything's okay and getting to stage two, which is the big show, and at stage two, them not being ready. I would prefer them to delay their stage two, go and do some more work around it and be ready for stage two. And that's what I think stage one is for, is it's proving that they're ready for stage two. So I am really strict at stage one and sometimes people come into stage two being scared of me. (laughs) And then they meet me at stage two and go, actually, she's done right by us. She's told us where the gaps are. She's given us time to rectify it. I'm not a gotcha auditor. I'm not someone on audit that day that's looking for issues and wants to surprise you with problems. I honestly really want you to find the gaps in your business and improve them so that the risks to your business are less, the service to participants is is higher, and your staff get what they need to do a good job. And I think that the audit process is really good at that, if done in the right way. And I'm not sure that's every auditor's intention, but certainly a number of their auditors it is to help you improve your process. And if we stop thinking of audit as this big, scary thing where someone's coming to smack us with a paper, rolled up paper, and start thinking it thinking it as an external pair of eyes to help us see what we can improve in our business, yes. everything yeah. changes. That's so good. Look, you know, we've obviously talked about having it in the everyday of our business, not just that, you know, once every 18 months problem, right? So what sort of systems do we need in the business? What What's needed? What's recommended? How can businesses stay on top of this? Yeah, so systems for me are processes and most people have bought policies off the shelf and that is the beginning of, of your system is having a policy that meets the rule. You then have your processes, um, whether they're written or not, or you proceed. and then out of your processes come your procedures. And out of your procedures, I like checklists and working documents or standard operating procedures. For me, that's how it flows. And I think you need a system on every area of your business. Personally, I like to align those back to the standard so it's easy at audit time. So there's four divisions in the core, uh, in the core uh, module, which is Um, uh, provisions of support, governance and operational management, person-centred practice and safe environments. So I do all of my processes around that. I have policies for each area. Then I have a 
a working document or a standard operating procedure for each. And then I have checklists and forms that match. Um, And so for me, that's the system. Uh, There's also systems as far as technology systems or platforms, and there's lots of these. As far as quality goes, there's a, usually there's a few systems that are used, such as OneDrive or SharePoint and Google Drive or Dropbox. They're kind of the big ones that become your quality management system where you store your government, your business documents for file sharing. But then there's a whole lot of systems that help you with participant files and staff files. Um, And these are your client management type systems. Um, And then there's CRM and case management type systems. So there's a lot of technology solutions out there. My solution or my suggestion is always to keep it really simple. And we talked in previous episodes around Google Suite, and I love Google Suite. I suggest you start something really simple, either Google Suite or if you're a Microsoft person, your OneDrive, really low fees and set up your folders. I actually have a free ebook on my website called um, uh, something like developing an amazing quality management system for NGIS providers. And it actually has all of the folder structures that you should have and where you save things. So if you're interested in finding out how to set up a quality management system using your share file, you can download that. Um, And that gives you some hints around there. But I think your systems don't need to be too complex. Your systems don't need to be costing you a lot of money. Keep it simple But make sure you do have systems in place because the systems help you avoid human error, help you lose, uh, help you save time that you would lose on double handling, um, and need to be usable in your business every single day for everyone who uses them. Yeah, look, that's the idea of having those simple systems in place, and they don't, as you said, they don't have to be expensive things. Just really straightforward to make sure it's all there. Um, when you're going through a business. And, and, and doing that, that, you know, compliance checklist, the, the auditing and or not so much the auditing, sorry, but, you know, helping them through their compliance. Yes. Businesses uh, that have that information just makes your job a lot easier, right? An auditor can't check what they can't find. So the number one thing I do with my clients to prepare them for audit is what I call a mapping document. Um, and I don't know if anyone else calls it that, uh, but it is a document that has all of the standards down one side and hyperlinks to all of their evidence on the other. And we like to spoon feed auditors um, so that the auditors can uh, find the information really easily and uh, if they can't find it, it's not there. And I see so many nonconformities that come through simply because the auditor couldn't find the documents. Um, And so by having this mapping document, you're able to simplify the process and make it really simple for the auditor to find it. And that's the number one thing that I do with clients in Tanya Gomez Consulting is setting up their quality management system, guiding them through the audit process, but also making it simple to manage long-term because these things go, they're the, the, the other side of the same coin. Yes, it's easier for the auditor to find it. It's going to be easier at audit, you're going to get through easier, your audit's going to be less stressful. But on the flip side of that, if your systems are easy to follow, then your staff are going to be able to find things easier. Your participants are going to get a better service because the the services being delivered are consistent every time, regardless of who's delivering them. So it's 
the opposite. We shouldn't be doing things for audit. We should be doing things because it makes our business better. And the 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 advantage is that it makes audit easier, not the other way around. Yeah. I think you've um you've really cleared up a lot of things for a lot of people. And I know I definitely learned some stuff there. Um and one of those things obviously was, you know, having some software mm. around making this simple for you. So We've actually come to the end of this episode, but in next episode, we're going to be talking about these systems that make life simpler, particularly around the idea of a software management system for your business. Yeah. Now we're going to be talking to the guys from Nightingale who have agreed to come on and just chat, not necessarily about their product specifically, but about how it works, how you use a software like that and how it can help you, you know, provide better services, be compliant and have everything you need in one place. Yeah, and all of that helps you drive profit, right? Absolutely. Having all of those things in place means that you are a profitable provider If you and you've got transparent information at your fingertips that help you make better business decisions so that you can know where to focus your attention, where to, what opportunities there are and how to continue to grow your business in the market. I think that if our listeners have any uh, questions around, um, you know, compliance, uh, getting ready for compliance, registration, they want to become registered, or maybe they want to be more prepared for audits, how are they going to contact you? Yeah, so I don't do NGRS registration, but I do do anything for registered or unregistered providers as far as quality and compliance go. So whether you just have a question, I have a service called Expert on Demand where you can just access me for consultation throughout the year as needed. I have a product where you can um, have me check your compliance as a once-off, like an internal audit called a uh, audit preparation readiness check. Sorry, we just changed the product names. I think that's what it's called. Basically an internal audit. Um, Or I have a service where you can outsource your whole compliance to me and I will manage it for you and you can just show up when you want to. Sounds like a dream. So it's, it's, you know, whether you're a small provider or a very large provider and you want to take your quality and compliance to the next level and have this reassurance that you're on the right track and you have things in place, or whether there's just one area of your quality and compliance you know needs a fine tune and you want a second pair of eyes and someone to bounce that off. That's really what I specialize in. Um, and you can find me on socials or you can uh, go to the website, which is tanyagomez.com.au. Brilliant. Look, thank you everyone for joining us on our next episode. As I said, we're going to be talking software to simplify and comply. So we hope to see you next time. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast with Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. We hope you found today's episode informative and valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating and share it with others who could benefit from our insights. Until next time, keep thriving.